As the invasion intensifies, today we're getting reaction to the State of the Union and the president's remarks on Russia. As we hear from Indiana lawmakers, including Representative Victoria Sparts, who was born in Ukraine, plus Republican Senator Todd Young and his Democratic opponent Tom McDermott, and with the state Senate killing the controversial curriculum bill, we'll hear from state lawmakers on both sides as we near the end of the legislative session. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. The United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. The president delivering his State of the Union as the situation intensifies in Ukraine amidst an attack on a nuclear reactor there. Today we're getting reaction from Indiana's congressional delegation, including Indiana Representative Victoria Sparts, who was born in Ukraine, where the world continues to watch the devastating effects of Russia's military invasion. Raquel Martin starts our team coverage from Washington with reaction to the president's remarks. Light will win over darkness. With the eyes of the world watching, in his first State of the Union address, President Joe Biden pledged America's support for Ukraine, battling a violent Russian invasion. Ukrainian ambassador to the United States is here tonight stand and send an unmistakable signal to the world. President Biden says the U.S. and allies stand ready to enforce even harsher penalties if Russian President Vladimir Putin continues. He badly miscalculated. Although the U.S. has yet to announce sanctions on Russian oil, the president announced the U.S. and 30 other countries are releasing 60 million barrels of oil to try and keep gas prices down. I want you to know we're going to be okay. But some Republicans say that's not good enough. We must stop importing any gasoline or refined petroleum products from Russia. Following the speech, Ohio Congressman Dave Joyce said the president is sending mixed messages. By continuing to buy oil products from Russia, we are funding the war in Ukraine. Indiana Congresswoman Victoria Sparts, a Ukrainian native, says with time running out, she just hopes the president's words deliver and Congress puts its differences aside. Because this is life and death. People are dying. And any delay of an action will cost people dearly. And that was Raquel Martin reporting from Washington, where we've heard from Congresswoman Sparks several times this week here at home, also at a rally in downtown Indy, and of course back in D.C., speaking impassionately about the devastating violence in her native Ukraine. They're just killing us like we are animals. It's awful. We got this statement from Congressman Andre Carson about the Russian invasion, saying it's a clear power grab, an act of aggression that could destabilize the world. He says the U.S. must continue doing all we can to stop this war and hold Russia accountable. After the State of the Union, he said President Biden made it clear, don't bet against the American people. We're leading the global economic recovery from the pandemic and working strategically with the international community to strongly rebuke Russia's unprovoked attack. After the State of the Union, we also heard from Republican Congressman Larry Bouchon. I thought the president uh, it gave a good, powerful speech about the strength of the Ukrainian people and their resilience and also the fact that the NATO allies have really stuck together on this. I think the only thing that, uh, from my perspective, that has been a little bit of an issue is I think some of the things that we're doing now we should have done months ago ahead of the invasion. But I think right now the approach that the administration in the United States and NATO are taking is what we can do. Then the other part of the speech, um, a lot of it was a liberal wish list. I'm a Republican. 
And I think, you know, he outlined a lot of big government programs that we've been debating for a long time, uh, many of which I disagree with. Now, I'm really glad to see the Ukrainians are standing firm as a country. Uh, their president uh, is amazing, uh, but we know that Putin is a man on a mission, and he's an international thug, and it looks like he's willing to push hard, even though he's on a misguided mission. Senator Mike Braun there in an interview with our Washington Bureau as well. This week, we also heard from Senator Todd Young, who I spoke with in a one-on-one -on -one interview, along with his Democratic opponent in this year's Senate race, Mayor Tom McDermott. I asked McDermott whether or not he's hoping to have the president join him on the campaign trail this year, with some Democrats distancing themselves. We asked both Young and McDermott about the president's remarks on Russia during this week's State of the Union. Though the president was strong on Ukraine, and I think we were all encouraged to see that, uh, he missed an opportunity. Uh, the American people were looking for the president to pivot away from uh, the big spending policies that have exacerbated uh, the price inflation that so many Americans are feeling. He missed an opportunity to paint some details indicating what his policy is going to be to secure the southern border. Uh, we have a number of domestic challenges here, and the president failed to lean into those uh, to the extent uh, I would have liked. I don't think Joe Biden's perfect by any stretch, and I don't think any, any person that occupies that office is. However, I do think President Biden should be credited with uh, the world response with the sanctions towards Russia and their aggression in Ukraine. I think he's handling the Ukraine situation very well as a U.S. president. And, and, and quite frankly, I know a lot of people like to fault the president with, with what happened in Afghanistan, but he got us out of there. And we we're spending over $100 million a day to keep our troops equipped in Afghanistan. And a couple different presidents could have removed us from Afghanistan, and it, and it took courage to do it. And it was messy. And President Biden did it. So, you know, my, my answer to your question, Dan, is if President Biden wants to campaign with Senate candidate Tommy Dermott in Indiana, I would be so honored to have the president of the United States campaign with me. I would go arm in arm with him. Absolutely. The confidence that other world leaders have in the president of the United States, President Biden, is refreshing because we went through a period of time where world leaders lost confidence in the U.S. president. And I think that they do have the confidence in President Biden and in the sanctions that we're imposing on Russia which will cripple their economy. You've said you think we need to go further when it comes to sanctions and that you believe there'd be 60 votes in the Senate for further energy sanctions. What needs to happen next? Well, we need to hold hearings in short order. Uh, I mean, today, and the Center Foreign Relations Committee on which I sit, uh, the, the Energy and Natural Resources Committees. Uh, we need to take a thorough look at Russia's energy economy, figure out how we can mitigate some of their foreign energy sales so that we can really tighten that economic noose of, around Vladimir Putin. We can bring this conflict in Ukraine to an end as quickly as possible and uh, uh, you know, mitigate any impacts that it has on our economy and uh, restore stability to that region of the world. We'll have more of those interviews next week and on our website. Meantime, at the Indiana State House, Indiana lawmakers making moves this week to sanction Russia here at the state level. We spoke with the Indiana lawmaker behind that proposal. I've been concerned about Russia's aggression uh, globally really over the last decade, and in particular since 2014 when the first invasion of Ukraine took place. And I've tried to find ways that Indiana as a state could show not only its solidarity for Ukraine, but really take concrete steps to try to punish the Russian regime for the actions they've taken. 
Now, that amendment passed the House of Representatives, still needs approval from lawmakers in the Senate before it heads to the governor, who also took action this week, issuing an executive order to show support for Ukraine and to condemn the Russian government. It includes things like being on standby to assist refugees and reviewing state business contracts with Russia. Well, with just days remaining in this year's session at the State House, legislative leaders say it's not likely the controversial curriculum bill will be revived after it was killed by the state Senate this past week. Our Kristen Eskow has the latest. The school curriculum bill faced strong opposition from many educators and some parents, while supporters had argued it would have ensured neutrality and transparency in schools. Republican leaders in the House and Senate say none of the language in that bill will be brought back in other bills before the end of session. After multiple closed-door meetings Monday, Senate Republicans found they didn't have the votes to approve a bill regulating school curriculum, including how teachers discuss race with students. It's disappointing when you work that hard and, uh, you know, really gathering support from a lot of different uh, organizations. State Senator Linda Rogers says while some fellow Republicans supported her amended bill, there were others who thought it still went too far or didn't go far enough. Senate Minority Leader Greg Taylor says Democrats don't want to see any parts of the bill brought back. We need to focus on things that get families back to uh, normal here in this state. And hopefully we won't have some of these divisive types of issues for the last couple of weeks of session. The Indiana State Teachers Association says it will continue to fight the legislation this session and next year if it's reintroduced. We believe that uh, the ideas and concepts that they were trying to move forward uh, warrant more time and more study with uh, our schools. Meanwhile, some parents groups say they hope to see the bill reintroduced next year as it was originally proposed. If they're serious about it, they will address social emotional learning. If they're not, then they won't. Meanwhile, another controversial education bill, House Bill 1041, is headed to the governor's desk. It bans transgender girls from playing girls' school sports. Governor Eric Holcomb recently signaled his support for that kind of measure. At the State House, I'm Kristen Escal. Kristen, thank you. Governor Holcomb also ending the public health emergency this week while also calling for lawmakers to enact tax cuts and defending his state police superintendent, who was critical of lawmakers for wanting to get rid of the state's licensing system for gun permits. We asked him about it. I stand behind Superintendent Carter 110%. Those were his words. He is a passionate leader who cares, as I do, deeply about not just his colleagues and cohorts, but citizens. And I would never ask him, never ask him to curtail his passion. Um, those were his words. He chose those words. I stand behind him. How do you feel about the concept of permitless care? Do you support that concept? I'm going to I'm going to review the bill. The concept. Um, we'll just have to see after I get done reviewing the bill. Um, and and if I do sign it after careful thought. Um, Understanding what the superintendent articulated is real. Um, we may have to look high and low uh, to make some changes. All right, we'll keep you posted on what happens with that gun bill as the session winds down in the days to come. Meantime, this week we're also hearing from a former state senator who's now running for Congress in the 9th District. Former state senator Aaron Houchin is one of nine Republicans running in the 9th to replace Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, who's considering a run for governor. I asked Houchin about her decision to leave the General Assembly mid-session. 
you stepped down during the session to focus on this campaign. How do you respond to those who, who might be critical of that move to step down or accuse you of perhaps trying to avoid some of those uh, tough votes in the legislative session while also running for Congress? I can assure you it's not about avoiding tough votes. I mean, I've taken many of those uh, during my time in the State House. The reason for that and my, my response is it's too important to, to not be completely focused on trying to take the fight to Washington. And if I had had my foot in both places, then I'm not doing justice to either. We'll have more of that interview next week. Straight ahead, our panel with their thoughts on the end of session, and we'll discuss the president's remarks on Russia in his State of the Union address this week. And the January 6th committee finding a possible criminal conspiracy in their view. We'll talk about the former president and former vice president's role in all of this after the break. All right, welcome back. Let's bring in our panel now with us on Zoom. Jennifer Wagner-Chartier, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, Tony Samuel. We're going to talk about Russia and the State of the Union in just a moment. But first, Jennifer, at the State House this week, a couple of big developments, including the State Senate killing the CRT-inspired House Bill 1134 on curriculum, a bill that you and others in the world of education had been trying very adamantly to defeat. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a little bit of a surprise, uh, to be honest. Um, but a good outcome. I hope it doesn't come back next session. It's always interesting this time of year when the session starts to wind down and, and the prevailing sentiment is, are they gone yet? Um, never really like a, like a resounding uh, vote of confidence, but I'm, I'm glad that 1134 is no longer on the table. Um, I think there have been some other bills that are, are going to be worked on in this coming few days uh, before they, uh, they adjourn sine die. Um, but, you know, once again, we've got a session where a lot of things happened that didn't need to happen, um, but I would say that there are some things that did happen behind all those headlines uh, that I think will make our state a better place. So I'll, I'll, I'll end on an optimistic note. There you go. Nice. All right, Mike, this week, the governor certainly has a lot on his plate. He officially ended the public health emergency. We're going to talk about that later. He's also trying to make the case for, cat, for tax cuts, and, and he may soon have this bill calling for an end to gun permits on his desk with his state police superintendent making an impassioned plea against this proposal. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the final days of the session. I think so, particularly the gun bill. Um, you know, uh, Doug Carter, obviously very passionate in trying to protect the public and his officers, um, certainly justified. Um, then there's actually uh, the governor's wife, Janet Holcomb, the first lady, is a certified NRA instructor, a big back for the Second Amendment. I haven't asked her about her position on, on this particular bill, but he has a, a lot of tugs and pulls going on. But one thing I've found about our governor is he's very good at uh, finding that middle line and uh, keeping it to the right of center. So we'll see what happens. All right. Let's shift to the president's State of the Union in the midst of this Russian invasion of Ukraine. Robin, we did see some fairly bipartisan moments during the president's remarks on Russia in terms of specifically uh, his call for uh, standing with our NATO allies. He did a great job and he, he articulated a message that we've got to continue to drive home. This is a very risky time for our nation, risky time for the world, and it needed seasoned leadership. And I believe the American people saw that the other night by our president. Also, for those who always give him grief, remember he said, we're not going to defund the police. Instead, we're going to fund the police. So that brought the loudest applause, I think, of the night in a bipartisan fashion. We saw Ted Cruz standing there, uh, even for that one. Uh, talking about Russia, there's been a lot of talk about possible energy sanctions, our own energy production, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg even taking some heat this week for, say, for saying that buying energy from Iran wasn't even off the table at this point. And, and Tony, another Hoosier certainly has been in the spotlight a lot, Congresswoman Sparks, a Ukraine native, 
seen applauding during some of those bipartisan moments in the State of the Union, but she's also been very critical of the administration, uh, making an impassioned plea for further action to, to help Ukraine. Well, and rightfully so. She's uh, right on target. Uh, nobody knows better than her uh, growing up uh, in Ukraine, being a uh, Ukrainian-American uh, citizen uh, and, and running for Congress and doing a great job and already taking a leadership role in Congress and especially on this issue. But she's right. We have to do more. Um, I said last week, look at uh, Biden's actions, not just his words. His actions going back to when he uh, became president and we started buying more Russian oil. We buy uh, a third more, spend over $110 billion on Russian oil. It's ridiculous. It needs to stop right away. That is funding this war, that along okay. with other countries uh, in Europe buying his natural gas okay. and his oil. Okay. And that's got to yeah. change. Uh, there's a lot more than we can do, but you have yeah. to look at his actions, not his words. Jennifer, your, your response to that and your thoughts on the impact of the president's remarks in the midst of this crisis overseas. Well, I, I agree with Robin. I thought the speech, uh, you know, last Tuesday night was it was very calming, um, which was obviously in stark contrast to our, our immediately previous president. Um, and I, I think, you know, look, ultimately, the bigger solution uh, to this issue of dependency on foreign oil, whether it's Russian or from another country, is building up our clean energy resources here, our wind, our solar, the things that are renewable um, that we can produce here and never have to rely on foreign governments um, and foreign countries for uh, for our energy. So I think that's the long-term solution. And I actually think the president touched on that a little bit in his speech, talking about his infrastructure plans, talking about um, what's already been passed and what's about to be implemented. So I okay. commend him for that. Mike, let's talk about the, the former president. He shifted his tone somewhat this week on the situation in Russia after initially calling Putin, quote unquote, savvy. Obviously, Russia, Ukraine were very much part of the controversies President Trump faced in his first impeachment. Now there's also this filing from the January 6th commission saying that it has evidence of a quote unquote criminal conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. And there's a lot in that filing also that deals with Mike Pence's inner circle and their efforts to fight back against those attempts. Well, first of all, there's a lot of people getting religion all of a sudden on Ukraine. Um, I think uh, the, the president has performed pretty darn well, or his advisors have, um, you know, not only did he say he was savvy, Trump said that the uh, the Putin invasion was genius and he would like to have done that in Mexico. I mean, that's what he really said on that on that radio show. So uh, as far as the January 6th, um, they, you know, they have issued one allegation. Um, it hit during a time of uh, significant uh, distraction, if you want to call it that, on Ukraine. So let's let that play out for a few days and, and see what the uh, what the impact is. Okay. But bottom line on Ukraine, what, what we should be doing is figure out a way to bring Putin to his senses or to his needs, whichever is easiest and safest. Yeah, and Tony, obviously, when it comes to this January 6th committee, it's a committee that includes mostly Democrats, along with Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger. But, but those words, potential criminal conspiracy, uh, certainly raising some eyebrows, though, as Mike mentioned, uh, lost in a lot of headlines this week as well. Well, I think it's a witch hunt. And, and of course, they're going to raise those possibilities. But, you know, we need to see the proof. And that, this will play out just like the uh, during uh, President Trump's term uh, in office. Uh, you know, these things played out, the impeachment hearings, the Russian hoax. And in the end, he was vindicated and he was cleared of all of that. I think that'll happen again. Going back to Ukraine uh, and, and, and what's happening in the world right now, 
you need to see leadership and you should have uh, the Biden administration needs to learn a lesson because they were asleep at the wheel okay. and let this happen and encouraged we're, it by buying Russian oil. But now we've got China uh, who's looking and, and I've said yeah. it before, looking to invade Taiwan. You've got North Korea. Right. You've got Iran. You've got to learn that these people are tyrants. Yeah. They're dictators. And you can't yep. be nice to them. You have to be tough with sanctions up front. Uh, and using military okay. and economic leverage. Okay. President Trump understood that. These folks don't. We'll see We're if anything running changes. Out, running out of time. Tony, thank you so much. We appreciate it. our panel's back uh, in just a few minutes with this week's winners and losers. Coming up next, Governor Holcomb officially putting an end to the public health emergency nearly two years after it began. We'll tell you what he's saying about that milestone straight ahead. After two full years, the state's public health emergency has finally expired. The governor signing a bill that ends the emergency orders and limits employer COVID vaccine mandates. That bill requires any private employer with a mandate to also offer a testing option. We're nearing a time where we can move back to a more normal formula. This is in addition to not less than uh, previous. So we're, we're moving back to that uh, as we transition from pandemic to endemic, back to those more normal times. And certainly you see that improvement in the numbers, cases dropping rapidly here in recent weeks, and also big improvements on the state's county metrics map. Many Indiana counties back in the blue for the lowest levels of viral spread. It's great to see. All right, stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony, I'll start with you. My winners for the week are Speaker Todd Houston and the Indiana House Republicans uh, for the governor coming out for their tax cuts, the biggest tax cuts in, I think, Indiana history. So they're the winners of the week. Robin. The reporters on the ground reporting to us from Ukraine, they're putting themselves in harm's way. Without them, we'd have no idea what's going on there. No doubt. Mike. My winner is Yuri Sestavny. He's the owner of Pravda Brewing in Levine. He switched his entire beer production to producing Molotov cocktails. Mm. Fight on, Yuri. Amazing. Jennifer? Uh, yeah, I think uh, all teachers across Indiana won this week with 1134 dying, but I want to say in particular a thank you to my child's eighth grade uh, history teacher, Andrea Neal, who I know some of you know from her Indianapolis Star days. She has awakened a love for history in my 14-year-old that made her want to watch the State of the Union and ask a bunch of questions. And, you know, if you know a teacher, if you are a teacher, thank you. All right. Well said, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll see you again next weekend.